That's the sound you make when you find out the home you love already has eight offers submitted on it. (laughs) It's also the sound of today's letters for the Terms and Definitions series. Let's keep learning with It's a sound, but it's also representing the letters G and H. Let's go. What is up, my How to Buy a Homies? How y'all doing? Welcome to you today, and welcome to our new listeners that either love or totally despise that I've given my new listeners that nickname. What's up, homies? How you doing, guys? I'm David Sedoni, and I'll tell you what, I'll return the favor to you. I'm going to tell you my nickname so you can mock me if you like. It's Sid, like from Sedoni. Sid, that's what they called me in high school. I was buck 25, baby-faced. And everybody called me Sid like I was an 84-year-old accountant that had one suit that he wore every day and always wore a hat. And yeah, yeah, I know. I don't want to hear it that Sid's the bad guy from Toy Story. You don't think I've already dealt with that my whole life? I love that series. Anyway, moving on. If you're new, you're probably wondering when the heck I'm going to talk about housing. Well, you'll get used to it, gang. This is the way things work on the How to Buy a Home podcast. Tons of information jam-packed with a whole bunch of dumb dad jokes. You're obviously curious since you're here and you clicked on such an exciting and provocative title, Real Estate Terms and Definitions. You are either a total glutton for punishment or really ready to buy a house. So you might as well subscribe right now. Hit that subscribe button because this is the seventh installment of our letter fun for first time home buyers. So you know it's going to be a whole lot more episodes. It's two for one special today. Two for one. G and H. Let's start with G. Okay, number one with G is a general contractor. When you start to do repairs on a home, it's important that you know the difference between what they call a GC, that's general contractor, and a specialized vendor. Now, GC is the person who's going to oversee overall home improvements or construction projects, and they're going to handle various aspects. A lot of times, they're just going to be handling scheduling these specialists and ordering supplies, sometimes helping you with figuring out exactly what remodel you're going to do. So these guys are usually used when you're doing the larger projects. So if you're moving into a place, but you just need something specific fixed and you're not necessarily remodeling or redoing the entire home, maybe you're just doing some repairing or some replacing in one specific area, then you're probably not looking for a GC. You're probably looking for more of a licensed individual vendor, like an electrician or a plumber, something like that, or a roofer. I'd get a roofer if you're going to do the roof. Our next G is gift letter. Now, this is going to sound kind of weird. Yeah, that's an actual real estate term. And it's a term that I learned very quickly when I started working on the first time homebuyers way back in 2006. If you're lucky enough to have a family member that's going to be gifting you some money to help you make your home purchase, if you're lucky enough and you have that situation happen in your life, go back and listen to the Thanksgiving episodes for tips on how to ask slash beg your family. I even give you a whole bunch of terms that you can tell them that their head will explode, that you actually understand what you're talking about. Well, here's the thing about a gift letter. Believe it or not, if you've gotten money that's deposited into your bank account, everything needs to be sourced if it's not coming from your income. Lenders are going to scrutinize every deposit that you make, not just when you're getting like in the transaction buying a house, but before that, they ask for the last two years bank statements. That's true. You can't just make a giant or unusual deposit that doesn't line up with your regular salary. Sounds weird, right? But think about it this way. 
The bank's giving you all of this money on the pretense that you have the ability to repay the loan based on your income and your salary. If you suddenly have a new fatty deposit in your account to help you qualify for the loan, if it's helping you make your down payment or qualify to show that you can do this, the lender needs to be sure that this was given to you free and clear by a family member and not something that you acquired from Johnny Knuckles down the street, the loan shark. So there is a very specific protocol in exactly how this letter is to be written and when in the buying process you have to submit it. You can't just have your mom or dad or your cool aunt Carol deposit the money directly into your account. You have to have a copy of the check. I'm not kidding. A copy of the check and the deposit. I've had deals get super messy because someone got their parents check and deposited it and they asked the buyer for a copy of the check. The first thing they said was, I'd never seen a check until my parents gave it to me. And second of all, I don't have a copy of it. So make sure you talk to your lender before you do anything with depositing any money when you're getting ready to buy a house. Hell, talk to them about all of it. You've got to talk to them about your deposits, your purchases. Don't buy a washer and dryer until you've signed the loan documents. True, it can mess things up. And don't pay off your debt unless you've talked to them about which debt to pay off and how to do it. This is a huge tip, all coming from that favorite G word, gift letter. It's true, guys. I've seen deals go bad because someone moved some money or they accepted money without checking with their lender first. You see, what happens is when you're getting ready to buy a house, the lenders are going to be looking at everything. And sometimes, mainly a lot of times, people are stretching as much as they can because they want to get the right house, the dream house, the most house they can get. When you're stretching, a lot of times, the money you have in the bank is a important variable to how much loan they're going to give you. Sometimes you have to have something called reserves. That's maybe three months reserves or six months reserves. Also, they're going to be looking directly at your debt to income ratio. If you go to buy a washer and dryer and you open a Sears card or a Home Depot card, that's a new debt and it changes your debt to income ratio. So you either reduce your reserves with a purchase or you increase and change your debt to income ratio and suddenly your loan might not be approved anymore. If you look at the uh, TikTok for realtors, which by the way, if you do, please grab yourself a life for God's sakes. I can look at that, but you will see lots of times there's like a realtor and they pick like some sad song or some wah, wah, wah thing and it's saying getting ready to sign loan documents with your buyer. They pull up in a brand new car that can destroy deals. It happens. Okay, great. Moving on. Next up, good faith estimate. Now, this is a great form that is very helpful for you. It's required by what we call RESPA. That is the Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act. This good faith estimate, also known as the GFE, it's going to disclose the amount or the range of amount. <laughs> That's important. Hang on. For all your charges and specific settlement services that the borrower, which is what the banks call you, I call you a buyer, they call you a borrower. So it tells you the settlement services that you're likely to incur in connection with the mortgage transaction. That's the big fancy definition, the Google definition. In other words, it tells the borrower or the buyer the approximate cost that you're going to have to pay at closing based on common local real estate practices and whatever you have figured out and negotiated in your deal. Now, under RESPA, your mortgage lender or mortgage broker has to deliver you the GFE, the good faith estimate, within three days after accepting your loan mortgage application. Now, here's the thing about the good faith estimate. For all you anal spreadsheet nerds that want to know exactly what you're going to pay for, everything down to the 
Penny. Okay, wait. Sorry. Before I go on, my wife wanted me to make sure that I clarify something with you. Apparently, when I use the term nerd, weird, crazy, spaz, freak, stuff like that, I use those words and those terms too lightly. I was supposed to tell you that to me, these are terms of affection and endearment. I'm a self-proclaimed nerd, weirdo, total goofball, and somewhat of a freak. I let my freak flag fly. It's true. I gave up being cool a long time ago. Now I live in a confident world of just me. Everybody else just has to deal with it. And I love it. I love it when I see other people do the same thing. So when I use these terms and I call you a spreadsheet nerd, it's done out of love. There, that's out of the way. Everyone feels secure and loved and confident and appreciated. Moving on. Okay, so to all you anal spreadsheet freaks out there, it's a GFE, E as in estimate. Now, why am I making such a big deal about this? Because I've seen it happen so many times. Get ready for nobody to be able to tell you anything exact throughout the entire transaction when you're buying a house until the very, very, very last days when you're signing the documents. Everything, everything is an estimate. Oh, and just to make you clench your butt cheeks a little bit more, until you locked your loan, your interest rate in with your lender, interest rates change hourly. There, everyone feeling comfortable? That's your GFE. Next up is the Government National Mortgage Association. I've talked about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. This is another one called Ginny Mae. So just so you know, when you hear that term, that's another government-owned corporation within the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD. And what they do is they FHA-insured and VA-guaranteed loans to back securities for private investment. What does that mean? Nothing. Just when you hear Ginny Mae, just know that they're out there and they're helping funding that can be lent eligible borrowers. And that's you. You're a buyer and a borrower. Our next G is government recording charges. Government recording charges. They are fees assessed by state and local government agencies for legally recording your deed. Once again, one of those things you're going to see on your GFE and your closing statements and all that stuff. It's mortgage and all the documents related to the loan. And you're going to have to pay them as part of your closing costs. Next up is a G word, gross income. That's the income that you earn in a month before your taxes and other deductions. Now, that could include your, if you have extra stuff beyond your income, that could also include rental income, self-employed income, income from alimony, child support, public assistance payments, and retirement benefits. So this gross income total is before any deductions, the regular deductions like 401k contributions, Medicare, Social Security contributions, before all those tickety-tackety-taxes get taken out. Now, the way that you calculate your, obviously, your gross income if you are a salaried person is take your salary, divide by 12. If you're an hourly person, the way that you're going to calculate your GMI, that's your gross monthly income, that's going to be by taking your hourly wages times 40 hours per week times 52 weeks a year and then divide by 12. Next up is the gem of a definition. It's gem, growing equity mortgage. This is a fixed rate mortgage where the monthly payments increase according to an agreed upon schedule and the funds are applied to reduce the loan balance in the loan term. Most loans are going to allow you to pay down the principal on your own. So if this is something that you're really interested in, check with your lender to see if you need to lock into a gym or if you have the flexibility to just pay your own extra when you feel like it. Okay, not bad. We're moving right along. That gives us time for a second letter today. Bonus letter H. H is hard money loans. 
Now, if you listen to other podcasts about buying homes or you watch other YouTube videos from all those entrepreneurs out there and they're trying to help you build your wealth through real estate, I love it. God bless these hustlers. And it's true. But a lot of you out there are just trying to figure out how to buy a home and buy your home and live in it. And all the extra equity and financial security that you get is just gravy. And you're going to hear those people talk about hard money loans a lot. Now, here's the definition, and then I'll get into how they work. It's borrowing money from a regular person instead of a bank. And of course, that means the fees and rates much higher. Hard money lenders finance the loans based on the property in question, not necessarily you and your application, not your credit score, not your credit worthiness, right? And typically, because of that, they're going to require a larger down payment and a very short or sometimes just a shorter repayment schedule. So one translation of that is they hope that you take their loan and then you can't pay it back because they get to foreclose and take the property. That's why they don't care about your credit score. And that's why they take the larger down payment up front. So be careful with these. I've seen a lot of home buyers out there and a lot of young people who think they listen to a few podcasts because there aren't very many like this one out there. They're mostly by these trying to hook people and turn them into what I call entrepreneurs, people who want to be an entrepreneur, but they decide to do it with the biggest investment of their life that, by the way, they have to live in. And I get it. There's videos, there's YouTubes, there's all kinds of stuff out there, but you have to actually know what you're doing. And before you start wrapping your primary residence into a plan using a hard money loan, realize that you're now buying with an investor's financial plan. And investors, the way that they thrive and survive is they can take it or leave it. And when it's bad, they sell it and let it go. Kind of tough to do when you and your family live in that house. Can you use your home as part of an overall investment strategy? Absolutely. But I recommend that you know what you're doing before you gamble on your personal shelter. Think of it as uh, house money right? If you do it all correctly, it's going to build your wealth and it'll be just extra money for you when you get ready to retire. Awesome. So lock that in first with the best and cheapest loan you can. And don't touch a hard money loan unless you are very sophisticated or at least partially sophisticated. And no, four YouTube videos and a bottle of wine does not mean you're financially savvy. Look, if you really want to get into it, I tell people all the time, buy your own home first, buy it safe, buy it secure, and then build your empire. You can buy a second home and still get a really good rate and you can go beyond that and buy other investments after that. Our next H is hazard insurance. This is insurance that compensates for physical damage to a property from mostly natural disasters, your fire, your wind, things like that. And it's there to cover your property for any loss or any damage. Technically, it's a subsection of homeowner's insurance, and it's not separate from homeowner's insurance. So lenders, they will refer to this separately sometimes, which can get very confusing. But if you're buying a house, get used to it. But just remember, this hazard insurance is part of your homeowner's insurance policy. It is not your entire homeowner's insurance policy. Our next H is home equity conversion mortgage. That's a fancy, fancy name for reverse mortgage. Now, you guys have no idea what these are because they're being sold on TV commercials and you don't watch TV with commercials and you certainly don't watch the shows that would put a commercial for a reverse mortgage. You're not the target demographic for this. You probably wouldn't even recognize the actor that is pitching these because he's some old dude that people like me and older than me, we all know who it is. But just for your knowledge, a home equity conversion mortgage, it's a type of mortgage developed and insured by the FHA 
that enables older homeowners to convert the equity they have in their home into cash. And you can have a different variety of payment options to address whatever your financial needs are. And like I said, they're currently being sold by Tom Selleck, who your parents and your grandparents know as Magnum P.I. And you might know him how I also got to know him as Monica's older boyfriend, the dude with a mustache that made Chandler feel like a wussy man. That's the guy selling reverse mortgages. Next up is HELOC. I talk about HELOCs all the time. It's a home equity line of credit. This is a big one, and you should know about it. When used correctly, it can be a way to safely tap into your equity. Equity is the extra money that you get when you own a home. If the home goes up in value, you take what you owe on your loan, and then you take what the home is worth, and that number in between there, that's your equity. And this is a way for you to tap into your equity without having to sell your home. It's a way you can use what is technically, if you look at it in one way, kind of a profit on the house. People use them all the time for remodeling and upgrading. That way you don't have to sell your house or move. You can just make your house bigger. Some people use it for college or other large expenses. And some people use it for emergencies. Again, used correctly. I say again, correctly. This is a huge advantage to being a homeowner. Now, why did I emphasize correctly so much? Because used incorrectly, like if you're going to buy vacations or sea-dos, it can cause you to be what we call upside down on your home. Now, some of you might know about that term because maybe you've leased a car and found out you're upside down, which means that you owe more than that asset is worth. There is a difference between a home equity loan and a home equity line of credit. A home equity line of credit is a line of credit that allows you to borrow against your home equity. And as I said, equity is what your property is currently worth minus the amount of the mortgage you owe on the property. Here's the thing. A HELOC is a revolving loan. And if you're going to buy a home, you should understand the difference between a revolving loan and an installment loan. A HELOC enables a homeowner to obtain multiple advances on the home equity of the loan at his, her, their own discretion. And it's going to be up to an amount that represents a specified percentage of your equity in the property. The bank set that percentage. So here, let me explain to you real quick. I'll do it on 100K because that's easy. If your home's worth $100,000 and you owe $70,000, all right, let's say you put 30% down and you just bought it yesterday. Okay. The lender's loan percentage they'll give you a home equity line of credit is up to 80% of the value of the home. Well, we know the home's worth $100,000. You've only got 70000 of a loan, so you've got 10%, right? So the way it works is you go out and get an appraisal on the property. If it appraises for the hundred k, you've got 10% or $10,000 in this scenario that you can borrow from the bank and pay back monthly. HELOCs can be fixed or adjustable. And adjustable, those are the ones that fluctuate based on the key index term. That's a whole big fat banking thing. And it's going to be adjustable on the terms, the interest rates, and the payments. You usually borrow a prearranged amount from your lender, and then you pay it back in those monthly installments. Unlike a home equity loan, which is different than the HELOC, the lines of credit, they will have adjustable rates. You're going to receive special checks or sometimes a credit card that you can borrow from, and you have a specific time from when you open your account. That time period is known as the draw period. During the draw period, you can borrow money and you have to make those minimum payments. When the draw period ends, you're no longer able to borrow money from that line of credit. Here's a side note on that. 
If the market goes down or the autonomy takes a crap, be prepared for the banks to totally arbitrarily just cancel all the draw periods and cancel all the home equity line of credit. So you've got that line of credit sitting there. That's the way a line of credit works. When you need it, you get it. But they can say, nope, we're not doing that anymore and cut it off before you go and get the money out. So that's the way that the home equity line of credit work. It's a great thing to have. It's a great, wonderful piece of investment there. But if you don't want to pay for it every month and you don't take it out, there's a chance it could go away. Now, really, really savvy investors, they're going to use their HELOC. And when they get to the peak of a housing market and the peak of the economy, when the banks are feeling good, they're going to ask for the maximum home equity line of credit they can and pull it out. Now, this only makes sense to do that if you are totally confident that you can cover a payment and the interest on that payment and make a profit with whatever you're doing with that money, even if the economy goes in a downturn. It's kind of a gamble. It's investing on spec instead of investing with the actual cash in hand. Now, getting back to how you regular and safe people will use it. After the draw period ends, you might be required to pay off your balance all at once, or you might be able to repay over a certain period of time. If you can't pay back the HELOC, it's just like your first loan on the property. They can take the house from you. So HELOCs are just a second loan. That's often called a second. And a lot of times they're used in conjunction with a refinance. If mortgage rates get lower and you've got some equity in the home, you could refinance. And if the math is right, what's crazy is sometimes you can take money out of your equity lower to a lower interest rate and keep the same monthly payment because of that reduction in the interest rate. Now, there's another thing to keep in mind with HELOCs. In the old days, they let you borrow on a home equity line of credit. And mostly what you were using was the collateral on the home. Not so much anymore. You have to apply just like you're upping your original loan to a higher payment. You see, the way they're looking at it is, oh, I'm not using the home as collateral against what we're doing. They're saying now every month you want to pay X amount plus this new minimum monthly payment on that second, that HELOC. So you have to requalify all over again. And sometimes it works out. That's not a problem because maybe you've owned the home for a little while and your income has increased and that fixed payment that you have, it's not so much a problem anymore. But they're not just give you a loan based on how much a home is worth. The old collateral style of lending and borrowing against your home is gone. They're in the business of lending you money, not selling your house. So they don't really care that they could sell the home for more if you go in default. They want to be sure that you can afford the new payment on a home equity line of credit. And the final piece of this H is that other loan I was talking about, the home equity loan. Not a line of credit, just a straight loan. That just allows you to borrow money using the equity, and they're not actually used that often anymore. You're going to receive that money in a lump sum, and it usually has a fixed interest rate, one that won't change. And if you qualify, most of the time when you go in, the lenders and the banks are going to be looking at using a HELOC as opposed to this home equity loan option these days. Next up is our home inspection now, here's the technical Google definition, right? An examination of the structure and mechanical systems to determine a home's safety and condition makes the potential home buyer aware of any repairs that may be needed prior to purchasing the home. It helps you determine the home's strengths and weaknesses. Now, here's my definition. You're going to freak out when you see your home inspection. Get ready for it. Most home buyers totally freak out. That's because it's the job of the home inspector to go and find everything that's wrong with it so you don't sue them later and say, why didn't you tell me this was wrong with the house? That's the big thing you need to know about home inspections. 
And be sure that you ask your unicorn realtor about what's not on the inspection because the homeowner inspector's job is to show you everything that's wrong with it and it's going to freak you out. But what's not on the inspection can be just as important. The value of what's not on there might be worth way more than the negative cosmetic or little things that are pointed out there, especially depending on the area that you're buying a home and the style of the home that you're buying. Those big ticket items that are in great shape, your roof, your foundation, your air conditioner. If any of that stuff's in great shape, it might not get notated that big on the report. Or if it has small little repairs, great. I'll do a $50 repair on a system that's worth $10,000 that's still got 20 years worth of life left in it. Make sense? The home inspection should include an evaluation of everything in the home. you got the structural and mechanical systems, the heating and the cooling, the plumbing, the wiring, the electrical, the ventilation, appliances, roof, foundation, structural stability, and they will do a little bit of the pest inf infestation, but you really want to have at least in areas where there's lots of wood, you want to have a termite inspection also. Now, keep in mind, a home inspection in the general term is just that, a general inspection, general being the operative word. If you want to know exactly what's going on with things beyond a general inspection, like the pool, the roof, the foundation, the plumbing, or the sewer lines, you're going to need to hire multiple different inspectors, multiple different specialists to assess those areas for you. That can get very costly and time consuming, especially if you're under a time crunch when you've got your contingencies, your conditions, your due diligence, and your option periods. Super, super easy for me to say. So understand that they're doing a general inspection, and most of the time you're looking at that general inspection to see if you do indeed need to go and get further inspection by a specialist. Now, I'm going to just do this general. We're not going to talk about waiving or not waiving the inspection. That's a discussion for you and your unicorn. Don't do it. Anyway, even if you just do an inspection and see what's wrong with the house, at least you know. And sure, maybe the seller says, I don't care if you do the inspection. I'm not going to do any changes. Cool. I'm still doing the inspection. So you get the offer accepted. Great. Now you want to do your inspection before your offer on your contract states that it's going to be contingent upon the inspection results. Whatever that time period is, get it done in that time. And it's up to you and your realtor to go over the inspection report based on the goals and the wants that you have already discussed in detail. You should know way before you look at the inspection what's a make or break in your deal. Determine if that home's the one that you want, and then you take into account all the negative things you found as well as the positive features from the big ticket items that weren't necessarily listed or were listed in great, good, or good working condition on the inspection report. Home inspection reports are all over the map, but the one thing that I can bank on is that a home inspection is going to scare the poop out of you. It has for every first time home buyer since that one cave dude had his buddy come over and look at his new dwelling. But here's the thing to keep in mind, every year, two million new homo sapiens buy their first home, and most of them live happily ever after. Another H is the home warranty. This is the great thing about going alphabetically. I cannot believe that home warranty comes right after home inspection because they go so together so well. Here's what you need to know about your home warranty. Yeah, most of the time in a normal market in many states, you as the buyer in a standard transaction, you usually get a one-year home warranty. It's usually purchased by the seller. Costs about 500 to 1,000 bucks. Now, what it does is it gives you a warranty and when you need something repairs, there's a small deductible for any claims. 
So if you and your inspector, let's say you discover that shiny new looking dishwasher is actually just polished up really pretty and it's totally on its last leg. Now, what if you go to negotiate that during the contract and the owner says, too bad, there are 75 offers and I pick you. You should be sending me donuts just for even picking you to be the person to buy my home. Welcome to buying a house in 2022. Cool. So you try to figure it out and well, it kind of works, but the inspector said it's pretty broken. Okay, buy the house. Don't think of it as a new $800 replacement. Think of it as I've got a year to save up 800 bucks to buy a dishwasher. And if it breaks 75 bucks, I get a brand new one from my home warranty. The warranty coverage extends over a specific period of time. Most of the time it's a year and it's not going to cover the home structure. That's what your homeowner's insurance is for. But a warranty, it offers all that protection for things like dishwashers, lots of mechanical systems and attached appliances. It's not necessarily everything in the house. It's kind of like a car warranty. You got to make sure you know exactly what it covers, but it can help you out a lot. And trust me, if you want to know about home warranties, do me a favor and do not Google it. I think I put this in another episode where someone asked me about home warranties. If you go online and look at home warranties, you're going to find nothing but typewriter trolls. And let me tell you the thing about a home warranty. It's great. It can help you out. It doesn't protect you from everything. You're buying a used home. They're old. Things break. The people on the online who are complaining about this, they're the idiots who bought a $600 policy to cover an entire 2,000 square foot home. And they thought that that meant that a month after they move in, they could replace the 50-year-old roof with a $30,000 roof for a $75 deductible. That's not the way it works. Speaking of internet haters, you're going to hear lots of web hate spewed at homeowners associations. HOA. That's our next H. I don't know if the Gen Z and millennials hear about HOAs, but man, when you get to be my age, people whining about HOAs is like people whining about their taxes. So there's a lot of people online, a lot of those complaining Von Weinelots. And if you ask them online or ask them in person, they love to corner you at a party and talk to you about it. They're going to have nothing good to say about the HOAs. And sure, some of that reputation is earned. But on the other hand, if you live in an expensive area, sometimes financially, you're going to need to look at homes with an HOA. If you're interested in buying a condo, a co-op, or a home in a planned subdivision or another organized community that has shared services, you're usually going to have to pay an HOA dues. These dues fund that nonprofit corporation or the association that manages the common areas and services that happen also within the common area or within a planned unit development or a condo project. Now, the HOA dues can absolutely vary wildly. And a lot of people are going to say, I pay way too much for my HOA dues. Cool. I understand that. They're usually paid separate from your monthly mortgage amount. And that's what catches people by surprise. You go online and you use the mortgage calculator. First of all, most of the time you're just getting P and I when you use a mortgage calculator online, unless you're using a good one that does P-I-T-I. There's more letters to that. If you're buying a condo and you have an HOA, you have to calculate P-I-T-I-H-O-A, hut, hut, hike. So when you calculate that all in, here's the way it works. You're going to agree to abide by the HOA's rules and to pay that monthly extra fee every month. What does everyone whine about online? Usually it's the rules. So let me real quick give you some of the pros of an HOA. 
You don't need a big homeowner's insurance policy. That's the big one. Usually, HOA dues are going to cover the big ticket items that you would pay for separately on a home without HOAs. That's the second I in P-I-T-I. So actually, instead of paying P-I-T-I-H-O-A, you're paying P-I-T-H-O-A. So your roof, your foundation, your exteriors, and any plumbing or electrical attached to another unit, if the walls are connected and it affects both people, all that stuff is covered so you don't pay the I. No longer pity, you're just a pit. The dues also cover upkeep of the common grounds and the neighborhood grounds. And of course, all the external lighting. Sometimes you get some really cool holiday decorations that cover your entire area. That's really cool. And most of the time, it's going to cover at least some section of your trash removal. Although it could be different everywhere. I don't know. And if you're really lucky, you're going to get a place that's got playgrounds, a clubhouse, a gym, a pool, and a spa. And some of them even have hiking trails, depending on your complex's amenities. That could be something that comes with your homeowner's dues. The cons of an HOA. Well, here's the big one. Everyone thinks that the big con of an HOA is that you need the community permission to do your alterations on your home. And that's true. You have your house. You don't have to ask anyone's permission. But there's a couple things about that I want to make very clear. If you own a home without an HOA, it doesn't mean that you can do a crazy movie set facade out front because you still have zoning laws. So now, could you paint your house bright purple? Eh, probably if you don't have an HOA, will your neighbors egg you three times a week? Yeah, that'll probably happen too. But the deal is there are still rules and laws in every city. But yeah, if you own a home with an HOA, most of the time, there's going to be like three colors you can paint it and they'll give you a palette and that's it. Here's the real big problem with HOAs that people who haven't had to work with one don't know about. Most HOAs are a nonprofit organization used just to keep the homes in a specific style and upkeep that will benefit the homeowners. Now, there are a lot of times management companies that make a profit that help the HOAs, but the HOAs most of the time themselves, they're just made up with a board of homeowners. Now, who would be on a homeowner association board? I'll tell you, people with enough free time to meddle in everyone else's business. People with an innate desire to get all up in your business or people with a strong Napoleon complex seeking any form of power in their sad and pathetic lives. So that's why you hear all the crap about HOAs and HOA boards. In general, most first-time buyers, after they have a good conversation with me or another unicorn, they realize that an HOA is simply a function of being able to be a property owner in an area that maybe is out of their price range, an area that they might desire if they can't afford a single-family home in that area. It's a necessary evil, if you will. You get to take the one eye out of P-I-T-I. So here's, we make sure that everybody knows, all the homies understand this. If you're comparing a no HOA property versus an HOA property, you have to look at both monthly totals, but you subtract $100 off of the HOA property because on the non-HOA property, you're going to be paying at least 100 bucks in your homeowner's insurance. So when you see, oh my God, I've got a $300 HOA, well, okay, but when you're doing the math to decide this monthly payment with no HOA, this monthly payment with a 300 HOA, you either have to add a hundred bucks to the one that has no HOA or subtract a hundred from the 
HOA dues on the other one and realize, okay, that's really only $200 more, not $300 more, because if I bought that other house, I'd still have to get insurance anyway. I hope that was clear as mud. Next H is homeowner's insurance. Here's the harsh Google definition. Homeowner's insurance is an insurance policy that combines protection against damage to a dwelling and its contents with the protection against claims of negligence or inappropriate action that result in someone's injury or property damage. Lenders require insurance coverage by the borrower or the buyer of at least the amount of the loan. Now, mellow way to explain what homeowner's insurance is, it's a policy that protects you and the lender. Remember, they own the house till you pay it off. It covers events that damage the structure of the house, like fire, windstorm. Sometimes they'll cover flood or earthquake. You never know. It depends on what area you're in. Like if you live where I live in Southern California, you can get earthquake as part of your homeowner's insurance, but it's going to cost you a pretty penny. <laughs> it also covers liability. Like I said, or they said in the Google definition, if there's injury to a visitor on your home or any damage to your personal property, such as your furniture, your clothes and your appliances, most of the time that comes in the case of like a burglary. So when you have a mortgage, the lender wants to make sure that your property is protected by insurance. That's why lenders generally require proof of homeowner's insurance. So add it to your monthly expenses when you calculate. Also, add six months of it prepaid to your closing costs. That's what it's going to cost you. Our next H is HUD. We did that in D because it's the Department of Housing and Urban Development. So go to episode 97 under department. I'm going to do this one again just because it's important. I already defined it once, but the HUD-1 statement, this is known as the settlement statement. It itemizes all closing costs, and it has to be given to the borrower before the closing. So you need to get a copy of your HUD statement or the settlement statement before you close and have time to review it. It's going to list all the charges and the credits to the buyer and the seller in any real estate transaction. This is a silly one, but hey, I told you I want to do this from A to Z. HVAC. That's a term that means heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. And now we're getting down towards the end here. This is a hybrid loan. That's an adjustable rate arm that offers a fixed rate for the initial period, usually about three to 10 years. And then it's going to adjust every six months or annually or at another specified period for the remainder of the term. That's a hybrid loan. Now, before I get to my very last H word, which is a very, very important one, I want to be sure that you know that there's lots more information out there, not just the letters G and H, and it's an audio, video, and even the written word. Yeah, I've been advocating for first-time homebuyers for years, and the information that is what we call evergreen information, I've been putting out for a long time, and it's still valuable to you today. It's not just for the current stuff. No matter when you're listening to this podcast in the future, if Instagram's still around, check out at David Sedoni. YouTube, I'm sure will still be there. That's the How to Buy a Home podcast on YouTube. I've got episodes and videos all the way back to 2011. Lots of great stuff on there. And join me on TikTok for more current events. That's where I actually do a lot of the current market updates. And I also uh, was standing in a trash can. That one's getting lots of views. Can't understand why. And howtobuyahome.com, you can read the transcripts of every single episode. Rate and review the podcast and share it with all your friends. I love my homies out there and I love this homie revolution. Now, this last H is a big one. Helplessness. This is the H that I want to abolish and I've enlisted a unicorn army to defend you and help you obliterate all your helpless feelings. Because one thing I know from my many years of experience in doing this, you can do this. 